Check this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Border to Border, 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a Wednesday here in the Capital City. Hope everybody's doing well as we sit here on the 13th. This is potentially your fame, uh, your final like work week, or at least let's call it your final like focused hard uh, work week. Uh, because obviously, as we get close to the holidays, you start you know fading a little bit. You start doing less work. You got to go buy your gifts. Please support our sponsors if you do, and um, you just kind of get ready for the holiday season. So um, certainly, we want you to uh, check out the show uh, from three to four. Uh, there is no show on Monday. We got a large bowl schedule. Uh, a lot of games coming up starting Saturday because there's a bunch on Saturday. On Monday, we've got the ODU game, and we will perfectly place it in. So that way it's done by the time Bob gets to do behind the web at 6 o'clock. So all the ODU fans, you'll be able to hear... Um, uh, the game coming up. And we'll talk more about the ball games as we go along. Uh, I caught up with Ricky Ronnie last week. So you can check that out on our website, ESPNRichmond.com. I had uh, Coach Robo on from uh, James Madison yesterday. You can find that on our website. Bob has an interview scheduled with uh, Phoenix Sproles coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. So you'll certainly want to tune in there. We've got you covered uh, for all the ball games uh, coming up here on 1061 ESPN. All right, on the show today, uh, just one guest uh, joining us at 3.15 will be Al Galdi. And um, basically, as I put it on Twitter, what the heck is going on in Washington, D.C.? Not only is Washington, D.C. dealing with some of the worst sports teams in America, because you look, the the Wizards are 3-19. and 19. Um, The Commanders are not exactly doing very well. The Nationals haven't signed anybody. And the Washington Capitals, well, they're, they're, they're doing pretty well. Uh, 31 points, 14, 8, and 3 so far. But uh, the, the news off the field is the Capitals and the Wizards are announced a deal to move the teams to Virginia. Northern Virginia. We're not getting anything. I mean, we're going to get good stuff with the Henrico Sports and Events Center and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, they're going to they're moving to Northern Virginia. So we're going to have Al Galdi on to talk about that. Maybe briefly do a little bit of Commander stuff and just kind of get his thoughts on everything uh, that's going on with uh, with the with the area known as Washington D.C. So he is the only guest on the show. But we had a lot to touch on. We started yesterday kind of doing a assessment of the basketball teams in the area. We will continue with that uh, coming up. Uh, we'll tell you who's playing tonight. A couple of state schools are in action tonight. We'll tell you about that. And um, I want to get into the Draymond stuff a little bit, just a little bit, because I just I'm tired of Draymond. Like I'm just you know what happened last night. You might get the benefit of the doubt if you're not Draymond Green, but since you it was Draymond Green, there is no benefit of the doubt. That's it. Like you don't nothing happens. You deserve everything that comes and you deserve a hefty suspension. So we'll get into that. And I still haven't necessarily gotten into the Shohei Otani stuff because it's kind of ridiculous what the Dodgers are doing and it's kind of ridiculous Major League Baseball is letting them do it. But then it's also 
uh, kind of ridiculous that the Dodgers aren't done yet because uh, there was a report today they're trying to trade for Tyler Glass now. The, the ace pitcher from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. We actually are going to do some baseball tomorrow. Danny Wexelman will join us. We'll get her thoughts on everything that's going on so far in the baseball offseason, but that is tomorrow's show. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is uh, the area code. As a tweet just scrolls by from Indiana football that's praising Kurt Signetti and Tino Sinceri. I need to unfollow Indiana football. I just need to unfollow that. I need to unfollow Kurt Signetti. I need to unfollow all that stuff and just kind of focus in on the current staff and the current group because I guess today they officially introduced everybody as the staff um, at Indiana. All right, college basketball tonight. Once again, it's a light night in terms of great games. Uh, State does have a couple of teams in action. Liberty is home tonight against Tennessee. State. Uh, Liberty is a 14.5 point favorite. Total is 137.5. That's gone down 3.5 points since the Open. Uh, Norfolk State is at Stony Brook. Norfolk State might be one of the best teams in the state. Um, They've been tremendous so far this season. And I think it kind of Obviously, VCU fans can't afford, you know, can't get over losses to anybody. But Norfolk State's seven and three; they're a pretty good basketball team. You obviously want to beat them at home, but like, it's not a bad loss as far as I'm concerned for VCU. Um, but Norfolk State is at um, Stony Brook tonight, six thirty. Norfolk State a two point underdog, one hundred thirty eight and a half is the total. Longwood is on the road at Milwaukee. At 8 o'clock, Longwood, another team playing good basketball. We'll get to them uh, a little bit later when we go over all the state schools. Longwood's 10-1. They have the nation's longest active win streak at 10 straight. Now, granted, three of those were against lower-level teams, and all of them are 284 or below on Ken Palm's numbers. doesn't matter. They still won the games. Longwood is 10-1, so... We can get into that, but they're in action tonight, 8 o'clock at Milwaukee, along with a three-point favorite. Total is 147 in that game. And um, other than that, like if I'm going to tell you what's the best basketball game tonight, college basketball, there's Florida Atlantic, Florida International. Florida Atlantic's always fun to watch. Toledo and Marshall, that's a total of 164. Uh, Denver and BYU. BYU's one of the best teams in the country nobody knows about. Uh, Auburn is playing UNC Asheville in Huntsville, Alabama. So, uh, not a great night for college, uh, for college basketball. Tomorrow's an even lighter night. There are only seven lined games, uh, seven lined games and none of them involving any of the state schools. So we'll talk a little college basketball a little bit later on. We'll go over, um, Everything that we've kind of, you know, we started yesterday with Tech and UVA. We'll keep going with VCU and Richmond and all this good stuff. We'll kind of assess as they get set to end their non-conference slates. We'll assess what we've seen so far uh, from these schools. By the way, great news yesterday for Virginia Tech. Um, Yesterday on Twitter, and I'm sure a lot of you follow Tech on Twitter. They used to have two different Twitter accounts. Um, Yesterday, about 20 hours ago... They announced on their Twitter account that all four of the stud wide receivers are returning. That's right. Ollie Jennings, Stephen Gosnell, Jalen Lane, and, um, excuse me, Ollie Jennings, Daquan Felton, Jalen Lane, and Stephen Gosnell all returning. So Tech break basically brings back their whole wide receiving core for next year, which I think is tremendous because it gives them an opportunity to work with Chiron uh, during the offseason. And I think it's an opportunity for them to kind of build off of this year. You know, obviously, it was not the year that most Hokie fans want. You, of course, want more victories. But if you're looking at your checklist for the Tech season, they beat Virginia, and they also made a bowl game. 
So that's at least two of the things that you would like from your from your uh, football team. And now they have an opportunity to build off that. You know, I'm assuming that Chiron Jones is coming back. You know, weird things can happen in the offseason. Something could happen. Who knows? He gets NIL deal somewhere. I don't, you know, look, I don't see any of that happening. I think he'll be there once again next year. But it's a, it's a nice opportunity for them to build off of it. And looking at next year, I'm trying to look real quick before we break. Next year, they open up at Vanderbilt. That should be a win. They get Marshall at home. Marshall's not very good. They play at ODU. Well, I'm not going to say anything about that. And then they host Rutgers. They get Virginia, BC, Clemson, and Georgia Tech at home. And they play at Miami, at Duke, at Stanford, at Syracuse. There's eight or nine wins there, potentially, if everything breaks right. Of course, there's still a lot of recruiting left. There's still a lot of people leaving the transfer portal, entering the transfer portal, whatever. But it was great, uh, great news yesterday for the Hokies who basically got their whole wide receiving core back and it was a pretty good one when it was completely healthy so that was good news rare nowadays that any school gets good news when it comes to the transfer portal or not going into the transfer portal we are at like 1600 kids in the transfer portal and there's still plenty of time for something else to happen uh three two seven zero eight 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 that is the phone number that is the text line 804 is the area code we'll get more into the bowl games coming up don't forget uh bob has phoenix sprawls at 5 30 tonight uh but let's take a time out coming up well what the heck is going on in dc both on the field off the field it looks like the capitals and the wizards are moving to northern virginia We'll talk to Al Galdi next about this, get his thoughts, and find out what the heck is going on. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond. And find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing from your home for sports in Richmond. 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here. I think some people woke up this morning seeing some headlines and were like, what is, wait, 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 what just what just happened? Uh what did the Wizards and the Capitals do? Uh a lot of headlines, a lot of stories out there involving this, uh, where basically the Wizards and the Capitals are eventually moving to Northern Virginia to help give us perspective on that. And we'll touch on a little commanders as they come off the bye week. You can check out his podcast, the Al Galdi podcast, also co-host of the Nats Chat Podcast. Download them where you can download your podcasts, Al Galdi. Aldi. Al, what's going on? Hey, Matt. How you doing, man? Doing well. Uh, so, obviously, the big news comes out this morning. What was your first reaction? Just what do you think, a broad view of this story that came out? Yeah, I mean, there's so much to sort of be thinking about with what's happening and why it's happening. I guess the first thing is this. So, it's not like 100% happening. It's interesting. There were two press releases that came out today. One was from... Uh, monumental sports and entertainment, and the other was from the office of Governor Glenn Youngkin. And each press release had a bunch of qualifiers, especially the one from Monumental, about, well, this is like a framework of an agreement, and the proposal still needs to be finalized, and there needs to be legislative approval, there needs to be completion of definitive documents. So this very much is an agreement. Now, does it look like it's going to be happening? Yes, uh, no doubt. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's like 100% that this is going to go down for the longest time, I, I always sort of surmised this talk of Ted Leonsis moving Capitals and Wizards home games to Virginia was more posturing, was more negotiating, him trying to get a better deal from D.C. Now, you know, this thing has moved far enough to where now you really have to wonder, maybe Ted just prefers to be in Alexandria. But there still is at least a possibility of D.C. sort of making a save here. But I, I think what, what's fascinating is, I don't know if D.C. wants to. I, I, I think it's a very tricky situation to read. D.C. has been like a sleep at the wheel in this situation. So you wonder, 
is DC okay with losing Wizards and Capitals home games? Because DC really wants to focus on getting the Commander Stadium back uh, in the district. So, like I said, there's a lot to be thinking about. There are a lot of layers to this. Um, and this certainly developed quickly. I mean, it was back in November that the Washington Post had a report about Ted's dissatisfaction with his Capital One Arena circumstance. Here we are now in December, and all of a sudden there's an agreement uh, for the team's home games to be in Alexandria uh, you know, when four or five years here. So things uh, moved rather quickly. And I thought it was funny yesterday, the story starts coming out and then all of a sudden we see the press release that gets announced that the DC mayors and uh, saying they're going to renovate Capital One Arena. They're going to make it better. And it feels like it's almost too little too late. Yeah, that's very much how it came off. And so you wonder, like, was that truly an effort to make a deal or was that just uh, Mayor Muriel Bowser and Washington, D.C. trying to save face? You know, uh, it's, and, and again, I wonder about, like, did the city really want to keep the Caps and Wizards? Now, I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, you know, you're talking about 41 home games per season for each team, each regular season. Like, that would seem to be a lot of revenue that you're sort of punting on. Uh, and that area for Capital One Arena, the Penn Quarter area, the Chinatown area, is having a lot of problems. Uh, there, there's a lot of vacancy in terms of buildings. Uh, there's a crime issue, which actually is part of why I think Ted is moving Caps and Wizards home games away from there. But, like, I don't know if you're D.C. that you want to be saying bye-bye to the Caps and Wizards, but, you know, Ted did want a lot of money from D.C. He wanted uh, $600 million. And so, you know, I don't know w- what the, the numbers would say. Like, is it worth D.C.'s time and money to spend $600 million to upgrade Capital One Arena? Like, are you going to be getting that revenue back or are you better off like i said really focusing on the commanders getting the commanders in dc and, and trying to make hay that way uh but yeah this uh this was not a, a situation where uh, things at least right now look very favorable for dc um i think the dc government looks bad i think there's increased pressure very much so on mayor bowser and on the city to get that deal done with the commanders. And so I do think that this heightens the leverage for Josh Harris and the commanders when it comes to getting a stadium in D.C. For the longest while, the commanders have lacked leverage in their stadium situation. They're starting to get some now. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think this does lessen the likelihood of the next stadium being in Virginia. But I do think that this increases the likelihood of the next stadium being where I think Josh Harris wants the stadium to be and where I know a lot of fans want the stadium to be, and that's in D.C. What's the early reaction you've seen from fans of the team down there? Are they sad? Are they unhappy? Because obviously it's not that far of a trip. You know, obviously it looks like it's about 30, 35 minutes to go down to Alexandria. But what's the early reaction from the fans you've seen? I think think it's more negative than positive, but I I sort of attach a caveat to that, which is, you know, in this world in which we live, nobody likes change, right? So, like, everyone complains about change, and then, you know, more often than not, like 10 minutes later, everybody gets used to the change. I, I, I think there is in uh, the area in which I live, which is like the immediate D.C. area, there is this sort of elitist attitude of if you're not in the super immediate D.C. area, you're like in Mars, you know. And so there are people who live in my area who view Alexandria, Virginia, as like, you know, beneath them and so far away. And the truth is that it isn't. I, I think one of the things that people in my area need to sort of accept is, Times are different now. Things are different now. And so, you know, it's not 1983. It's 2023. Like, the population of Alexandria, Virginia, is a lot larger today than it was 40 years ago. Things are different. And so you don't have to be in D.C. in order to appeal to a lot of your fan base. You don't have to be in D.C. in order uh, to generate big crowds at games. 
this is part of why when the stuff came out a year or so ago about the Commander's Next Stadium potentially being in like Sterling, Virginia, or Woodbridge, Virginia, or even Dumfries, Virginia, I, I didn't dismiss those possibilities. And I, I never said like, oh, how could they do that? Like, no, demographics have shifted, population increased. Like, you don't have to be in D.C. to do well. Now, I think ideally the Wizards and Capitals, teams of Washington, would be playing in Washington. And, you know, Capital One Arena for the longest time was a great home for the Caps and Wizards. And there are a lot of really good things about Capital One Arena. There are a lot of really good things about D.C. But look, if you're Ted Leonsis and you're a businessman and the situation with Capital One Arena has deteriorated and you have Governor Yonkin and Virginia courting you and appealing you and welcome, appealing to you and welcoming you, and you have this feeling, which I know has been out there, of Mayor Bowser is a lot more interested in the commanders than she is in the Wizards and Capitals. You know, put yourself in Ted's shoes. Like, what would you do? Now, there's no halo over Ted Leonsis's head, but, like, I can understand why he's doing this. Like, I don't think it's crazy that he's doing this. And, you know, this is kind of where we are. So we're obviously down the line still, and, and this hasn't, you know, been official, as you said. Um, but what do you think they might do at Capital One Arena? Would they try and get another team? Would they try and get an expansion team, maybe? Well, uh, Ted at the presser this morning made it very clear that uh, monumental sports and entertainment is not abandoning Capital One Arena. And, you know, time will tell if that's lip service or not. But first of all, Monumental is now trying to move Mystics games to Capital One Arena. So, listen, that's not a net gain. You lose the Caps and Wizards, you gain the Mystics, but that is at least something. And Ted did talk up, hey, we're still in business with Capital One Arena. We still want to bring concerts and the like to Capital One Arena. Capital One Arena does still have uh, Georgetown basketball, although, you know, that's not exactly drawing a bunch of people these days. There's no doubt this is a major blow to Capital One Arena. But in terms of, like, what can be done, I don't know that there's much that you can do. I mean, you're not getting another NBA or NHL team in this area. Like, that's not happening. So, you know, if you are D.C. and you want the Caps and Wizards to still be there, and, and you know, this is re- basically a screw-up by the part of D.C. and not doing more to make sure that the Caps and Wizards did not leave, I think you got to do all that you can uh, to try to undo this deal. And you got to up your offer to Ted. And, uh, you know, you, you, you basically have to go back. Uh, you know, almost on your hands and knees saying, hey, Ted, you know, can we still make something happen here? But it's a tough spot. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, I, I mentioned what's happening around Capital One Arena. Like, this is a very real thing, and this is not exclusive to D.C., but since COVID and the shutdowns, we've seen a lot of uh, buildings across the country, but especially in D.C., like, have vacancies, and there aren't people there. And so that area of D.C., again, that 10-quarter Chinatown area, which had been booming for years, isn't booming anymore. And so to have this blow now of 41 regular season Caps games gone, 41 regular season Wizards games gone, say nothing of playoff games, you know, not that the Wizards are anywhere close to the playoffs, but the Caps have been a pretty consistent playoff team. Uh, that hurts. I mean, that, that would seem to be significant revenue that uh, D.C. is going to be losing out on. So, you know, I, I don't have, like, D.C.'s financials in front of me, right? But I would just think that this is a financial blow uh, to the district. So I, I think it's going to be hard to make up that money. So everybody who's going to the ACC men's basketball tournament this year, at Capital One Arena, do spend a lot of money, please. Spend a $600 yeah. million dollar worth of money, right? This is going to need it. This is going to need it. I mean, it's going to end up being like a hodgepodge of stuff at Capital One Arena, like Mystics games, Georgetown games, you know, the occasional college 
basketball game that isn't Georgetown. I mean, there are like WWE events at Capital One Arena, but I mean, there are only a few of those a year. You do concerts, but again, like how many concerts are you going to have? Um, Capital One Arena with the Caps and Wizards was a very busy place. Like there was almost always something happening there. If, in fact, it ends up being that the Caps and Wizards move their home games to Alexandria, that's going to be a major change for Capital One Arena. No doubt. Not to mention, I was a big fan of the sports book that was there, too. I thought that was really nice to put into that building. Yeah, and that's still there. So, so maybe there's more that can be done from a sports betting standpoint. You know, um, I, I don't think this is like necessarily the gloom and doom for Cap One, but this is a blow. I don't know how you dress it up any other way. I guess it just becomes a question of how much of a blow is What's your best guess on where you think the Commanders are going? Is it definitely going to be D.C. now? Well, I don't think anything is definite. If I had to bet money, I'd say D.C. because I think that's what Josh Harris wants, and I think now more than ever that's what D.C. wants slash needs. I mean, from a public perception standpoint, Mayor Bowser's uh, legacy, to whatever extent that matters, takes a hit with this, right, if in fact the Caps and Wizards are gone. So if you can be the mayor who brings the Washington football franchise back to D.C., you know, that is something that you can tout. No question about that. So I think if you have the team wanting to do it and you have uh, the city now with increased impetus to want to do it, then that would seem to lend itself toward the deal actually happening. But, you know, nothing with D.C. is ever simple. A uh, few things with D.C. are ever easy. If you're going to do it on the RFK Stadium site, there is still this issue of that being federally owned land. The city itself does not own that land, although there is legislation now to try to change some of that. So we'll see. I mean, I would not assume anything, but yeah, I think if you had to place a bet, I think D.C. is the number one contender. I think Maryland is still very viable, and uh, at this point, I would put Virginia third, just because I don't know that Virginia is going to be welcoming the Capitals, the Wizards, and the Commanders, although I guess it's possible. I mean, I guess you can't be entirely dismissive of that. Is it going to be whatever state gives them the moat that they wanted uh, in the renderings when they first drew this place up? (laughs) Yeah, so the latest I heard is that the moat is not going to be a thing, although that would have been a lovely thing because that was like such a a different thing. Although I don't know that that was a good thing. But yeah, I I don't think it's the moat. I think if you put an S in there, it's the most money. I I think that uh, nine times out of ten is what drives all of these things. So uh, whichever uh, city slash location gives the team the best deal, uh, I think that's a good bet for which uh, location ends up getting uh, the stadium. Talking with Al Galdi, and we'll wrap up in just a moment. Uh, you can check out his podcast, the Al Galdi Podcast, the Nats Chat Podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Al Galdi. Let's go on the field with the Commanders. Obviously, everybody got a fresh breath of air last week. They didn't play. Um, they're coming back. What are you looking for? What do you want to see down the stretch? Well, I've talked about this on my podcast a bunch. I think the way for the rest of this season is Sam Howell plays well in each of the remaining four regular season games, and the Commanders lose each of the four remaining regular season games. Now, that's not an easy needle to thread, uh, but that can be the case, and I would love for that to be the case. I would love for Sam to play well and make it so that he is the QB1 moving beyond this season, but I think he has work to do in that regard. I think if the season ended now, you couldn't just say, okay, he's our guy moving forward. Like, no, I think you got to see more. You need to see better. Um, he at times has been really good, but there have been, there, there's been enough bad to where I don't think you could just feel certain, especially if you have a top five pick of, yeah, Sam's our guy. We don't need a quarterback. So I do want to see Sam do well because I think the season is a success if he does do well and you do exit the season with him as your QB1 moving forward. But there's no point in the commanders winning any games anymore. Like, they're done. They can't have a winning record for this regular season. The team, as of now, would have the number four overall pick in the draft. 
Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility at all for the team to get the number three pick, even the number two overall pick. And even if Sam proves himself worthy as a QB1 moving forward, there is so much good that could be accomplished by Washington making proper usage of a top four, top three, top two pick. When you think about a potential trade down, you think about getting maybe Marvin Harrison Jr., who is being viewed as one of the best receiver prospects in years. You think about getting uh, a great offensive lineman, you know, Olu Fashanu out of Penn State. So all kinds of good things could come from the commanders having a super high pick in that first round. So I really hope that that ends up happening. Uh, but look, rest of the season happens. We know the second the season ends, no later than a day or two after that, Ron Rivera is getting fired. There's going to be major football operations change, and that really is going to be the thing. Who does Josh Harris hire to run football ops? Who does that person hire to be the next head coach? Who does that head coach hire to fill out his staff? It's an odd deal, man. It's December, but this this feels like the preseason. Like These games don't really matter that much in terms of the outcome. Uh, at least you're not invested in the outcomes as much as you would be otherwise. But next month, which is usually right like the end and you know the season is over, that's really when it all begins. Like January is going to be so busy and so important for the Commanders franchise. This hiring that Josh Harris is going to have to make of the next person to run player personnel is massive. I don't think you can overstate how big that is and who that person ends up being and what that person ends up doing. Uh, two huge things. Uh, that we'll obviously be talking about a lot. I'll ask you real quick. Do you think Eric Bieniemy's definitely gone? I don't think it's definite. I think it's more likely than uh, unlikely, just because I think when you get a new head of football ops and then you get a new head coach, I don't think that new head coach, is, especially if that person is an offensive-minded coach, is going to want to keep Bieniemy. But it is possible, and I would say this, if Sam Howell plays really well the rest of this season, then it might be looked at as, hey, we got to keep this the enemy Howell thing together in some way. I mean, Eric potentially could be a candidate to be the next head coach. Like, I don't think that that's beyond the realm of possibility. But again, you got to see more and you got to see better. Like, there needs to be more consistency with the offense. There needs to be a higher level of quality that we get from this offense on a game in, game out basis. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't say that there's no chance, but I don't think it's a high chance. I think you're probably looking at wholesale changes with the coaching staff and uh, with certainly the top portion of the front office. I mean, there might be like some scout types who are kept, but I think, you know, Ron Rivera gone, Martin Mayhew gone, Marty Herney gone. I think a lot of these guys are going to be gone. Al Galdi podcast, episode 719 coming out today. And uh, don't forget the Nats Chat podcast, especially when baseball starts getting talked about more. Al, we always appreciate the time. Happy holidays. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Same to you. All right. Uh, that is Al Galdi of the uh, Al Galdi podcast and the Nats Chat podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Al Galdi. I, I still maintain it. I, I still maintain it. Then if they knew that unless they were going to go 12 and 5 whatever 13 and 4 like that they were going to get rid of this staff no matter what then hiring Eric Bieniemy did nothing Eric, uh, hiring Eric Bieniemy did absolutely nothing because the moment you didn't fire Ron Rivera after the Bears game the moment you didn't fire Jack Del Rio after the Bears game you told everybody that this essentially was going to be the team it was a lame duck season and and to waste Eric Bieniemy on a lame duck season is just ridiculous to me. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But I've said this all along. I hope he at least gets an interview. It would be very commanders if he doesn't even get an interview next year. Like they basically say, all right, we're going a complete different direction. And what he said was right, as far as I'm concerned. If Sam Howe finishes and you want to go forward with Sam Howe, you have to keep Eric Bieniemy. Like the reason why Sam Howe's doing so well, I think, is because Eric Bieniemy's offense. But 
who knows? This organization does everything backwards. So they may, it's going to be very tough if they're, so right now, as he said, they are the fourth pick overall. The Patriots and the Cardinals are one game ahead of them, technically, because they both have three wins. I don't see many more games that either the Cardinals or the Patriots are going to win. I'm trying to pull up their schedule real quick. The Cardinals have, uh, the Cardinals play the 49ers, Bears, Eagles, and um, 49ers, Bears, Eagles, and Seahawks. And um, those are the teams that are left for the car for the Cardinals. I don't I don't see many wins there. Maybe they go to Chicago and win. Maybe uh, the Patriots. You know, we don't even know who their head coach is going to be. They got the Chiefs, Broncos, and Bills, and that final game of the season is the Jets. So maybe there's one more win there. Uh, and then there's the Carolina Panthers, and I don't see them losing, uh, winning three more games. So the Panthers, uh, aka I forget who has, I think the Bears have their pick. Um, so basically, it's it's going to be four or three, maybe for the Commanders, four or three. If you have a top three pick, and somehow Caleb Williams is sitting there, are you going to say no? I, I don't know. Marvin Harrison would be very. Uh, a very good pick, and so would Fashano. Fashano, yeah, they would be great picks. But are you going to turn down one of the better quarterbacks that's still sitting there if you decide to go that direction? I don't know. That's why I do agree with him. The number one thing the rest of the season is Sam Howell. The number one um, thing the rest of the season is Sam Howell. That's it. If he plays well, that's it. Uh, three two seven zero eight eight eight. That is the phone number. That is the text line. Eight zero four is the area code. And crazy to hear what's going on with the cap- Capitals and the Wizards. Um, I really like the sports book in that arena that they have. I really do. I think it fits very nicely. I, I mean, I was what was it two years ago? I think I was at Capital One Arena for the A ten tournament. I think it was two years ago. Tremendous place. We stayed right down the street. Um, I was not thrilled with walking around at night, but. I, I don't like any cities, really. I don't really like being in any cities. I'm more of a suburban guy. I, I don't, you know, I just, I don't like parallel parking. I don't like one-way streets and everything. But that's just me. There's probably a lot of other people like that. So we'll see. I just think that um, they've got to go and find some events for that building or else things are going to get much worse. And I did, I did find it funny yesterday that all this stuff came out. It's like, oh, these two teams are going to move to Virginia. And then all of a sudden, the other thing came out and said, oh, we're going to renovate Capital One Arena. Come back, come back, come back. Yeah, too little, too late there. Uh, I think the mayor's Bowser, Mayor Bowser. Um, yeah, too little, too late. So we'll see. We'll keep our eyes on that. Um, it's only a 35-minute drive. Now it's without traffic. But like, it's not much of a drive if you're a Caps or Wizards fan. Plus, you're going to go to a brand new arena, and all the things they're talking about doing for this arena. There's like, uh, there's I think there's going to be hotels, there's going to be an entertainment center, there's going to be malls, restaurants, all that good stuff. So I think fans might enjoy making that trip, unless, as Al said, they're they're snobs and they don't want to go from D.C. to Alexandria. Three two seven zero eight eight eight. That is the phone number. That is the text line. Eight zero four is the area code. If you want to get involved uh, with the show, let's take a timeout. Coming up, uh, we'll talk more college basketball. Yesterday, we kind of got started. We took a look at some of the state schools, giving them thumbs up, thumbs down as they approach the end of their uh, non-conference slate. Plus, a little bit of uh, breaking news uh, involving the NCAA. We'll tell you about that next as well. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. 
The NFL season is in full swing, and we don't want anyone to forget. We have NFL coverage every Sunday afternoon, as well as every Dallas Cowboys broadcast. Here on your home for sports in the River City, 1061 ESPN Richmond. Invigorating design. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN, Matt Joseph's here. Um, So there's a little bit of breaking news from the NCAA. It looks like... The NCAA is granting multiple time transfers immediate eligibility through December 27th. And they're not going to punish them retroactively. If the, so apparently there is a, a lawsuit going on. And um, what this basically means is that anybody who was denied entry to their latest team for multiple time transfers is basically available for the next 14 days. So that means for, you know... Uh, West Virginia has a kid. That means uh, VCU gets Joe Bamisil for 14 days. Um, now, obviously, we don't know what will happen after the 14 days, but this ruling is basically keeping them in place for 14 days. The NCAA statement to the athletic, as a result of today's decision impacting Division I student-athletes, the association will not enforce the year-in-residency requirement for multiple-time transfers and will begin notifying member schools. So basically, um, what will happen is um, Joe Bamis will be available for 14 days. And then we'll see what happens. I, I, listen, that's great. If you look at VCU's schedule... Um, the next 14 days starting today, so until the 27th, he would have two games, Temple at home and Maryland Eastern Shore at home. Um, and then I don't know what's going to happen after that. But the NCAA basically is granting those players who have done multiple transfers an opportunity to play right away for 14 days until whatever lawsuit is going on is being decided. So that's good news. Uh, good news for VCU. And we could talk about the Rams uh, first in our uh, second part of uh, the college basketball discussion. VCU sits right now at 5-5. Five and five. They have three non-conference games left. Home Temple Saturday. Home Maryland Eastern Shore next Friday. Home Gardner-Webb Saturday, December 30th before they host St. Bonaventure and GW in A-10 play. Obviously, the 5-5 five and five is very disappointing. Obviously, it's not what we expected. And if you really were going to legitimately go over the schedule, um, the losses to McNeese State and Norfolk State were probably not expected. Iowa State, okay. Boise State, okay. Memphis, okay. Like, forget how the game's played. If we looked before the season, you probably would have penciled in the three losses potentially. And then who knows who would have been in that final game in that tournament. Obviously, beating Penn State was tremendous uh, for the Rams. Um I still believe in the Rams' potential come March, but I think it's it's. I mean, it's obviously unreasonable to think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. They're not going to make the NCAA tournament unless they win the Atlantic Ten Conference. They're not. Their um, net is not very good. The losses they've had are not very good. Um, you know, obviously McNeese State's playing great basketball, but. They're sitting at 5-5. Five and five. The defense has not been the issue so far. They're 39th in two-point percentage defense. They're 42nd in three-point percentage defense. The two things that this, that this team is not doing well is they foul too much, which has traditionally always been a problem with regards to when they played the Havoc style. They were very touchy and grabby at times, and in certain, touch, uh, certain officials called more touch fouls against them than others did. Um, they are 291st in defensive free throws attempted per field goals attempted, which means they're sending the teams to the line way too much. 
Uh, the other thing that they're not very good at is turnovers. Way too many turnovers. 21.4% is their turnover percentage. That is 331st in America. Means there's only 19 teams, I think, 19-ish teams that are worse. Ironically, VMI is worse. They are down below. So if VCU could tighten up the turnovers and could you know stop fouling, I think they're 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 better off. Obviously, we're still waiting for Sean Barstow, who is a huge part of this team. They get Joe Bama seal for two games, maybe more, depending upon the NCAA ruling. I, I'm I'm if you were to do buy, sell, or hold on VCU, I'm holding my VCU stock. I'm not buying VCU stock. Because I don't think they're going to make the tournament without winning the A-10. I'm not selling my VCU stock because I think they can play better. I'm holding my VCU stock. I bought Virginia stock yesterday. I'm holding my tech stock. Those are the three teams we've done so far. So, VCU's home Saturday against Temple. One of my teams. I hope VCU plays well. I hope they fall short. I hope Joe plays really well. But obviously, I'm a, I've, you know, I've had Temple season tickets. I've been a Temple fan for my whole life, so we'll see uh, about Saturday. You got Richmond, who's also 5-5, five and five. and I think <clears throat> if we looked at Richmond's schedule, 5-5 five and five is about on face value what you would have expected. The games that they've lost, you probably would have expected them to lose. BC on the road, Colorado, neutral court at Wichita State, at Northern Iowa, basically a road game, but on a neutral court against Florida. Like, you kind of would have thought that they'd be 5-5. Five and five. I think some people might have thought they'd be even worse. Maybe they would have lost the other game in that tournament. They did beat UNLV. But the wins that they have, VMI, Siena, UNLV, Queens, and William Mary, like, their games are supposed to win. And they're supposed to win handily in that they did. Richmond's strengths are a very solid offense and a team that doesn't turn the ball over, although the last two games they've started turning the ball over more. They are number two in offensive turnover percentage, 11.7%. That's tremendous. Um, the defense has been pretty good. The rebounding is a problem, but like I'm, 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 I'm done trying to basically say they need to get better rebounders. Like I'm just not, I'm, I'm not going to waste breath on that anymore. It's just not going to happen. Losing Delani Hunt is not good for the Spiders, but he will be back, and the opportunity for Mike Tyne to play better without him is a positive, even if it's not a positive necessary for this season. I mean, obviously it is, but like he's a freshman. Tyne getting a lot more time means. His sophomore year, he'll play better. His junior year, he'll play better. His senior year, he'll play better. Um, Richmond, non-conference-wise, has Charlotte at home on Saturday. Buffalo, who's one of the worst teams in the country, at home on Thursday. And then Lafayette, who's also a bad team, uh, Saturday the 30th. They'll probably finish out the non-conference 8-5. and five. Buffalo's 334 in Ken Palm. Lafayette's 337. There's way too many 300 wins for the Spiders, but that's fine. They had a rebuilding roster. Then they start off with St. Bonaventure, Loyola, Chicago, George Mason, and Duquesne. They've got three of their first five on the road in A-10 play. I mean, the Spires have to figure out how to win outside their building. Everybody will tell you that. Bob will tell you that. Coach Mooney will tell you that. Everybody will tell you that. They have to start winning outside of their building. It's tremendous that they're playing well at home. It's great. The fans can go out, enjoy some good basketball. They've got to start winning the games on the road. I think if things break right... This could be an NIT team. This could be if they wanted to play in the CBI or the CIT. There is some potential postseason here. I'm going to hold my Richmond stock. I'm not going to sell it because I think they'll get better once Delani comes back. And I think as they play more games, 
I'm not buying Richmond stock because I don't I don't think they're going to turn it into much. I'm just going to hold it and see what happens, and we can reevaluate next month or you know a, a month down the line. So my quote unquote state portfolio is I'm buying Virginia stock and I'm holding everybody else so far. Tech, Richmond, and VCU. That's what we're doing there. I will quickly do because there's not much you can say about it. James Madison, 9-0 so far. Beat Michigan State, although that win's looking slightly worse every time. They won at Kent State. They beat Southern Illinois on a neutral court. They've beaten Radford. They beat Fresno State. Tremendous wins. Free throw shooting needs to get a little better, 69%. But their offense is really good. Their defense is really good. They've got three non-conference games left. They're at Hampton Saturday. Then they host Coppin State on Tuesday. And then they play at Morgan State on Friday, December 22nd, before they start Sunbelt play. Um, I'll say this. I'm going to hold most of my JMU stock, but I'm going to sell a little bit of it off. Just a little bit. Some of the shares. I don't think they're as good as the 9-0 they've started out. I think they're a very good basketball team. But I think 9-0 is a little much. I'm going to sell some, some JMU stock and get a little profit. Not all of it. I want to keep some of it. But we're going to sell it for now because I don't think it's, uh, you know, the Sun Belt's not great either. Ken Palm has them projected for a 26-4 and record. So, I mean, this could be a tremendous season for the Dukes. I'm just going to sell it because the stock is never going to get any higher than it is right now. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number, that is the text line. 804 is the area code. Let's take a timeout. We'll do one final segment, 1061 ESPN. This week, just head to our website and to our This Week on 1061 ESPN Richmond page for a preview of what's to come on 1061 ESPN. 